0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily.
2: Premier League Preview.
1: Hello, this is the only daily Premier League podcast you will find. Welcome to Football Social Daily. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us in your podcasting app and click that follow, subscribe button, whatever it is, it's totally free and it means you'll keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Premier League every single day of the season. Today on the show we're going to be talking about Manchester Airport who are seeing a high jump in flights to Italy after Manchester United offloaded yet another unwanted player to Italia. There's no Stones, there's no Walker, there's no Delhi Alley in Gareth Southgate's England squad. We're going to decide if the waistcoats made the right calls ahead of the Euro 2020 qualifiers. And Manchester City got their Champions League campaign off to a flyer without even kicking a ball. Because they've been handed the cushiest of groups at Europe's top competition. One that fans would have dreamed of. We'll talk about all that in the company of Phil Hudson. Hello. And Fergal Brennan. Hello. I'm Jim Salverson. Welcome, welcome to the programme. Right, let's get things going. And let's talk about some of the transfers that's going on at the moment. Because let's not forget the European window is still open. We'll start at Manchester United who seem to be offloading a little bit of their deadwood right now to Italy. Lukaku, he's gone to Inter Milan for £75 million a few weeks ago. Sanchez has followed him on loan, but the next Italian job is going to be Chris Smalling, sorry, Mike Smallings, who is off to Roma to sort out their <laughs> problems defensively. Now this, on the face of it, for Chris Smalling and for Roma and for Manchester United, looks like a decent deal for everyone, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slightly come out of the blue when you think of Chris Smalling and the reputation that he's built up in the Premier League. I expected him to leave uh, before the Premier League transfer window closed. I didn't see a move abroad necessarily coming. I I thought it was more likely that a a mid-table Premier League side would come in for him and obviously United would be keen, might be a little bit of a strong word, but at least open to the idea of him moving on. Obviously Harry Maguire coming in in the summer, he is going to be... First choice, probably alongside Victor Lindelof for the for the foreseeable. Um, in terms of a move to Italy, in terms of how we'll fit in, I think it's a very interesting in, interesting setup. Obviously, we're seeing a bit more of a an increase in Premier League players moving to the continent. How Chris Smalling will slot into that pattern, I think, will be very interesting slash terrifying <laughs> if you're a, if you're an AS Roma <laughs> fan to, to see.
1: Chris Smalling's a decent player, though, <clears throat> still isn't he? He's had a tough time. Uh... He's
3: he's decent, but I, I wouldn't stretch it any further than that.
2: Yeah, Personally, but he's, but he's probably decent enough for
3: Roma. He is, but you've got to look at where they're pushing for. They're looking to be well. They're not too dissimilar to Manchester United situation. They want to be a regular top four side. They know that winning the Serie A title is probably beyond them. But again, a little bit of a a little bit of a maths would would show you if he's not good enough for a Manchester United team chasing a top four place, mm. is he
1: good enough for a Roma team chasing a top four place? I suppose it's a question of how different are the Premier League in terms of quality and the. Serie. Serie A
3: But you know, we've all, you know, dined out on a on a nice diet of Italian defending over the years and how mm-hmm. it's been such a feature of not just football for the Italian national side, but for Serie A. So if ever there was a league where being really good at, you know, that old defending malarkey is actually quite important, it's Serie A. And if there's one thing that Chris Morlin, you know, struggles with every now and again, it's
1: Bit of defending. Could this be one of those situations where though, and I am not basing this on any knowledge whatsoever, this is a genuine question, that Chris Mauling works better in an Italian defensive style of football because there is less to worry about. There's here in the Premier it's League. Sore, isn't it? We yeah, and we expect a lot of our centre backs and not defensive players now in the Premier League. We expect centre backs to be able to carry it out and link up with yeah. midfield. We expect our full backs to make overlapping attacking runs. Whereas in Italy it is a more defensive style of football. We all remember watching uh, Gola Italia yeah, in the 90s yeah. and just seeing these 0-0 draws being played out. Maybe that'll suit I think that's. Like. I yeah. think that's an interesting point about
2: sort of defence in Italian football leagues, because I think Serie A is still quite romanticised by like our generation of people yeah. who grew up on a Gazetta Football Italia oh, diet on a Saturday right? yeah. <laughs> So I've just, had, I've just had a look at the Roma squad, right? And I've had a look at the defenders, right? So in that Roma squad at the mid, defensively, they've got Federico Fazio who expers not great. They've got Davide Santon, who's ex Newcastle, who wasn't great. Yeah. They've got uh,
3: Kolarov, who played centre back yeah, this weekend. Kolarov. Yeah. yeah. For,
2: you know they've got Zappa Costa. They're not exactly guys who destroyed it. And, you know, crushed mm. it in the Premier League like Amblah de are they? No. They're like they were pretty average in the Premier League. Yeah. So there's there's no reason to look at that squad. Certainly if you compare it to Fazio uh, and look and think Smalling can't go over there and be better than what they've got. So mm. on the face of it,
1: that sounds like a pretty smart deal. And the other option they were looking at as well as a centre-back option was Dejan Lovren, yeah. which kind of shows the level they're going for with the utmost respect Yeah, mm. Dejan Lovren. Apparently, they were put off by an absolutely gigantic signing-on fee. Well, I think in, in
3: terms of Lovren, Liverpool are in a much stronger position in order to, to sell Lovren. Yes, he's, he's second choice now, but he's still played more of a key role for Liverpool over the last 18 months than Chris Small has for Manchester United. Mm. Hence why... The money that they would be asking would be would be more, but just to follow on from what from what you were saying before, Jim, I I do agree. Premier League wise, we we ask way more from centre backs now than we than we ever have, and that's why fees are rising for them. We've seen that with Virgil Van Dijk, we've seen that with Maguire, obviously this summer. But I think I I get that with Chris Smalling that there is an enormous demand on being able to do different things. You almost have to play as an auxiliary midfielder at times, yeah. but. I think to go back to Serie, a, I, I I agree that maybe we do you know like to romanticise about Saturday mornings watching Channel Four and you know not having to do you know responsible things that you have to do now on Saturday <laughs> mornings. Um, but it is still the case that yes, there's not as much athleticism and, and as much link-up play defend, demanded from defenders in Italy. But what fans are absolutely demanding of is being able to defend, and and it's viewed in, in such a in such a pride way. If you think of the way here, you know. Cliches get thrown around about good left foot, left foot opens a can of beans, uh, you know, good feet for a big man, etc., etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Getting the cliche, belly, there <laughs> uh, but that, that that's the situation in Italy. Like you're judged by that. Your 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 kind of calling card in the pub is, well, my defence is better than yours. Mm. Look how good my defenders defend. Chris Smalling for me doesn't fit that. I, I do agree that when you look at who they've got at the moment, he's an improvement. But is he going to move them? Any further on?
2: Oh, I don't think anyone would suggest for a second that he's a quantum leap, but he is better than what they've got. So if we're assessing it as a deal that suits all parties, mm. which you know, was the original mm. sort of thing Jim said, then yeah, it, it does. It improves Roma. Man, mm. you get another player off the books and they have, in the last couple of weeks, they've managed to get a few players off the books that they wanted rid of. <laughs> Sanchez might cost them a couple of quick to get rid of him.
1: It makes sense for me, it,
2: I, yeah, think does, for I think. Everyone. I think it ticks the boxes. Smalling goes out there. If, he, if he's shite... He's in Italy and he's in a foreign country and it probably doesn't affect his stock in England. Mm. If he goes out there and does well. He's, you know if, if you were saying, would you rather go and live in Rome or would you rather go for six months or would you
1: rather go and live in you know,
2: Newcastle yeah. or somewhere like that? Rome's a lovely city. Rome's a very nice
1: city. <laughs> what doesn't make sense to me, though, is the way, again, the Glaciers are handling their transfer business at Manchester United. This is a player that they offered a new contract to, like Phil Jones, who's currently... I don't know, fifth-choice centre-back maybe, yep. maybe even le- less than that at Manchester United. They're offering offered these new contracts to players not that long ago that clearly yep. they had no intention of keeping. It just makes no sense from the point of view of a way to manage a football team.
3: But it just points at a complete disconcord from the boardroom right the way through, through Woodward, through to the manager. Obviously, they've had upheaval and changes in management that, you know, contracts being offered to Phil Jones, Ashley Young, etc. <laughs> Whether Solskjaer stays or goes for, for the long term, these players are not going to last in that squad. No. I mean, and what happens to them then? Like, they're tied to these contracts, particularly someone like Ashley Young. He's been, made, as well. he's been made club captain at the start of the season. So he almost has to kind of keep knocking around. He's, he's 33, I think, now. He's already it's a prob- figurehead role that though, isn't it? It is, but he's what's going to happen? He signed a big contract. He's going to run until he's thirty-seven. He's not going to be playing until he's thirty-seven. What United is going to be working in the bar at Old Trafford? <laughs> like they can't get rid of him. They're going to have to keep him. No one's going to take him. No one's going to take them wages. What what is he going to be doing? Helping out on match days, handing out leaflets I don't know what 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 role are you going to eventually? Like he's moved back through the positions, like from you know emergency left back <laughs> then then yeah then it's working on the bar doing a few shifts yeah. helping that's out in, in the restaurant you know what what next for ashley young that's the story what next for ashley young his agents doing cartwheels like
1: yeah. not coming out of that very much i suppose there's an element of that it's kind of a golden handshake kind of situation isn't it um Another exit from Manchester United could still be Paul Pogba. Apparently, he's still angling for a move away from Real Madrid. He's got an eye on the Hazard tactic now, so he's going to refuse to sign an extension. His contract doesn't expire till 2021, but either way, he wants to move to Madrid. Manchester United are saying £200 million for him. Real Madrid can't afford £200 million. There's no way it's going to happen this window, is there? Because United aren't going to want to lose another body.
3: No, I don't think so, no. And I just think the money that's being asked. Yeah, everybody has this kind of impression that Real Madrid have got this bottomless pit of money. They do and they don't. Like they've they've struck some fantastic deals over the summer to sell their squad players for really good profit. Marcus Lorente went to Atletico for for forty five million euro. Um, so Florentino Perez wants to have some sort of balancing. He doesn't want you know a huge amount of exits with with. Uh, sorry, a huge amount of incomings with with no exits to balance the box. And I just think. Given the the situation, given the lack of time still t- to do a deal, I, I just can't see it being done mm. between
1: now and September the second. But maybe we're looking at next summer for a move, yeah, yeah. for Paul Pogba. Uh, very quickly, Spurs have got a few outgoings as well. It would seem Victor Wanyama has left to join Bruges, ten million pound, which was a bit surprised with. I thought Belgium league for a decent player Proper is a bit money, of a step, isn't uh, it? Yeah,
2: for the, for the Belgian league. I, to be honest, I looked at it and said,
1: I, I don't really understand why no one from the Premier League is going no, for him completely because I don't think he's a bad player. Failed to make an impact at Spurs a little bit, but he was very good at Southampton. Yeah, it's it's like when Dembélé went to China, and I yeah. was going,
2: "Why isn't why is no one gone in for Dembélé?" It's just some weird sort of. I read an article uh, two days ago talking about how much, like, if clubs employed like a transfer analyst mm-hmm. to advise on the sort of strategy of their business and how much money it would save clubs and things like that, and, mm. and how much better yeah. deals can be done. And when you are talking about organisations that turn over hundreds of millions of pounds. The, the decision making does seem yeah. really, really weird at times.
3: <laughs> I still think so much to, to follow on from that. I think I still think so much of the decision making is made on hunches and football. football. Yeah, football. Oh, I know. I you know it's the whole the whole kind of Harry Redknapp. Man. No, I know. I know. I know a player when I see one. Yeah. Well, you might mates do, mates as well. People yeah, but who have uh, contacts within clubs. And it's, it's not if it's not a financially viable option, it shouldn't be made. And, and you know, all the names that we've just listed out over the last few minutes fall right into that catch again. It is. It's decisions made of. Yeah, I've just got a feeling he's he, he's the one for me. Well, been a good
1: servant to us. Yeah, you She's know, been but... a
2: good pro, Ashley Young, but he's not going to cut it for Manchester no. United at that yeah. level. No,
1: no. The other exit from Tottenham looks to be Christian Eriksen, who I'm surprised hasn't made a move already this window, but there is still time. PSG looking for a late bid for Christian Eriksen, who desperately wants to leave Spurs again. Can we see that happening? He's featured more in Spurs' opening few games than I thought he would do. I think there's more chance of that getting over
3: the line than, than Pog believing. I think mainly because both he and Mauricio Pochettino have been quite transparent on it. He's come out uh, during pre-season to say that he wants to leave, the whole new challenge line. Pochettino's been quite open and honest and said, yep, you know we're aware that he wants to leave. However, the deal needs to be right for all parties. I think normally when that's the case and everyone's being quite open, mm. that normally says that the writing's on the wall. I think even... The, the amount of game time he's he's had so far this season, he came off the bench against Villa in the opening day, then he's played a bit and he's, he, he's, he's fitting right into that mould of, I want to go and I don't want my performance level to drop so that the buying club potentially thinks
1: that I'm a bit of a sulker. I suppose the one thing that players are finding now as the elite in football, the wages and the transfer fees grow and grow and grow, what happens is the potential destinations for those players shrinks and shrinks and shrinks because there are very few clubs that can afford the wages and the transfer fee that a player like Christian Eriksen would demand.
3: He's also in a position whereby again to, to look at what we were saying before if clubs start thinking a little bit more financially minded his contract's up in June 2020 the majority of sides might look in the next few days and go right let's get the notepad out and you know do the sums and see the wages that we're going to be paying him for the next 12 months is that going to work in terms mm-hmm. of the money that we're bringing in if not We'll just wait and bring him in, uh, in in June 2020 where he'll he'll come in for nothing. Yeah, he'll have a big salary,
1: but we'll be saving quite a sizable transfer fee in, in, in the meantime. Right, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to look at those Champions League draws. Who has ended up with the group of death? We'll do that shortly on Football Social Daily.
2: Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via
3: your Amazon Alexa. Just ask. Alexa, open sports social. Football Social Daily. Get
2: daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask. Alexa, open sports social.
1: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget you can get our Sports Social Alexa skill now. You can get daily team updates as well as match reports and match previews and live scores on your Amazon Alexa device. If you want to have a go at that, just say Open Sports Social to your Alexa and tell us which team you support. But right now on Football Social Daily, we're going to have a look at the Champions League. The draw happened yesterday. All the English teams, well, I don't think anyone will be that upset about the Take The groups they've ended up with, Liverpool, face Napoli, Salzburg and Genk. City have got Shakhtar Donetsk, Dynamo Zagreb and Atlanta. Tottenham have Bayern, Olympiacos, Red Star, Belgrade and Chelsea have Ajax, Valencia and Lille. <coughs> Out of those four, I think City maybe will be the happiest, won't they? City
2: or Liverpool.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, obviously, you know, there's a lot of jokes floating around on Twitter yesterday about the, the Man city Shakhtar derby. <laughs> so they play them every...
2: There must, there
3: must be groups in, in, in both cities making really good friends with each other now. <laughs> I can see all these City fans going over to the Ukraine. I'm having a great time. Um, I think, yeah, as, as Jim said, when you look at the spread of teams across the, the four groups involving the English sides, I think fans of, of all four teams will be relatively happy. There's not any enormous banana skins from the kind of if you think of all the english sides are either going to be first or second in those mm-hmm. groups i don't think the third and fourth sides or seeds or however you want to phrase it are potential banana skins for any of them I, the biggest don't... challenge is going to be booking flights isn't it i mean yeah particularly for
1: city fans yeah yeah, yeah.
2: They yeah. Had a shocker but i mean i don't know i'm not certain chelsea will qualify i think they've got i mean ajax are going to be a threat even though they've probably lost a couple of players they're still mm. going to be playing no one's going to really see Ajax mm. coming, even though they did so well last year. Yep. Valencia and Lille aren't mugs. I, mm. I, I think that's definitely, and Chelsea, by the way, aren't a fantastic side. So yep. I think that's the toughest group of any of the English clubs there. Um, Liverpool will walk it. City will walk it. Tottenham should qualify relatively comfortably. Mm-hmm. Although, I tell you what, Red Star Belgrade will be no picnic. No. In, in no. the Maracana.
3: And they'll be nice and riled up after yeah. the Did you see the, the Stephen Warnock thing? Last night, uh, Stephen Warnock talking about how they just who Red Star Belgrade ah they're all part-time plumbers and builders and what have you. There's there's a video of that floating around. Cliche
1: Bell coming out again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) And you just think to yourself, you've just riling them up. I mean, they beat Liverpool. They beat Liverpool last season, and Liverpool went on to win it. So yeah, I agree that that that. Could be a sticky one, but you expect the them to as get as well. You
1: want to invest in flares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the group stages of the Champions League are increasingly becoming a procession, though, aren't they? Realistically, it's about keeping the big teams in, it's Set about to keeping that, the yeah. sponsor money and the TV money and all that kind of stuff rolling in. If you're going to pick a group of death and upset from the group stages, I think Group, group F, F yeah, yeah. yeah, that looks tasty. Barcelona, Borussia, Dortmund, Inter Milan and Slavia Slovia, Prague Slavia Prague, well. Prague are going, I <laughs> yeah, don't fancy uh, that one too much. struggling
2: a bit here, yeah, lads.
1: So it may not be a group of death. It's a group of nasty cold, yeah. potentially. Yeah. But yeah. can you see either... I mean, I guess you'd go either Dortmund or Barcelona could be the victims of that. If you're going to say there's going to be a giant killing Inter Milan are probably maybe the third, That's although it, they're in looking the Mar- strong. Inter Mar- Milan the are
2: Mar- probably the third seed, aren't they, if you yeah. like? Yeah, on paper at least. Bar- it's going to take a lot to knock out Borussia and Borussia when to get to play half their games at all.
3: Yeah, and I just think... Yeah, like you said, home games are the key in this. And Barcelona, whilst they're not at the level that they were two years or three years ago, they're so experienced at this. Mm. You know, when you get into kind of match day four, five and six, they can just go on to rinse and repeat mode. If they're, if they're not flying, they can just get over the line, get into the knockouts and then address it then.
1: Might well have Neymar.
3: Potentially, yeah. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's still potential time for that.
1: Who's your favourite for the Champions League at the moment then? When we look at those teams, do the English teams have a chance? Because as you say... Barcelona are a kind of slightly fading force, although they are superb still. Real Madrid are in a transitional period. Juventus are strong, but they're all never going to be favourites for the Champions League. I don't think. Is this the season? That... The best two sides in the competition are Manchester City and Liverpool.
3: Yeah, for yeah, me. I would agree. I think Juventus, as you say, are strong, but they just they just seem to have some sort of mental block. Uh, with regards to the Champions League. I, I don't quite know what it is, but they can't seem to break that. But I'd agree. Man City and Liverpool, when you look at, on paper, the way they've started the season, it, it would look through kind of a, a theoretical eye that they are the ones to watch.
2: Wenger v- said it last year, didn't he? he? said that the sort of traditional European powerhouses were in a period of transition mm-hmm. because they've all got ageing sides. And Juventus have sort of addressed that because they've brought into Ligt and people like that. And they're, they're trying to yeah. reduce the age of that side. But Barcelona are quite an old team. Yeah. you know, Messi, Suarez, these guys are all the wrong side PK, of PK, Busquets, yeah. the pk All all That golden generation. Yeah, yeah. You can cling your bell again if you want, Jim. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that generation of players they had that were fantastic, yeah. they're, they're all like, you know, in they're the case of Javi and the Iniesta, they, they've gone, but they're definitely coming at the end. Madrid, their superstars are all relatively, Ramos, yep. Benzema, these sort of guys, they're all, Munich have shipped out Ribéry, they've shipped out Robin.
3: Yeah. And they've only brought Coutinho in. They yeah. haven't really done anything but I, I just think when when you look at the situation as you say with Real Madrid they've, they've spent an enormous amount of money as well and the pieces of the jigsaw haven't quite slotted into place yet they've started the league season fairly underwhelmingly 1-1 uh, drew one so far and I think Zidane's under so much pressure where it's a case of you wanted all this money we've given you it mm-hmm. you wanted all these players we've given it you know now you know he's still kind of bellyaching about oh we I wanted Pogba but well you you've had over 350 million mm-hmm. euros worth of players no one else in Europe has spent as much as you this summer. We need to see a return on this, and you know Real Madrid are in a position where they do value the Champions League so highly, probably more than their own domestic league. If they're not right in the mixer for that, come the end of the season, Zidane, Zidane's in trouble. So, yeah, I, I to go back to what I, I would I would steer towards the the top two in England at the moment. I don't see anyone really troubling them because I just think mentally they're there, experience Liverpool are getting there. I think the two managers are currently at the best. Top, uh, peak of their powers and, and I, just, I, just, I just struggle to see them
1: being knocked off Here, let me make a prediction for the Champions League final it will be Manchester City versus Juventus it will be Gianluigi Buffon who has returned to Juventus gets <laughs> the call up in goal for the final goes to penalties Buffon has a blinder Pep Guardiola goes away again disappointed with the Champions League and Juventus lift the trophy that's my prediction for this year's Champions League final I think I get decent odds on that as
3: well And unless you're a Manchester City fan, I don't think anyone could be unhappy with that. I don't think there's ever been a player that neutrals wanted to win the Champions League more than before. Oh, yeah.
1: He deserves it, 100%. Uh, Let's talk quickly about Gareth Southgate, who's (laughs) announced his England squad squad for the 2020 Euro qualifiers. A few shock call-ups. Aaron Wan-Bissaka in, probably expected that. Tyron Mings in, I think no one expected that. Mason Mount and Oxlade-Chamberlain coming in as well. But the big shock was Carl Walker being left out of the England squad. Were you surprised not to see his name on the list? Um Yeah, but let's be fair,
2: we've got unbelievable depth at right back. Yeah. Yeah. We, we must have the best collection of right backs in yep. the world. We've got four genuine quality right backs, I think. Yep. Um I you know, South gets come out and said it's not the end for Walker, I'm just looking at something different, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Well the weird
1: thing was he went he said something along the lines of I'm paraphrasing, it's because he's playing well at the moment. Which is a weird reason to be that that old chestnut for not being called (laughs) up. you're doing you're doing too well. (laughs) You're too good for England at the moment. And and you know, I'm
2: looking at that as well. Joe Gomez is in that squad, and he's played right back as well. Yeah, Mm. yeah,
1: for for
3: Liverpool. Yeah,
2: you you can't pick five right backs to be fair to him, and and I get why he wants to have a look at Juan bissaka I get why he wants to have a look at Alexander Arnold. You know, so
1: it's probably fair enough. I wonder whether the downfall of Southgate could be that he looks to the future and obviously he's got this investment in the under 21 squad and the english media <laughs> and the england fans always there's loads of pressure yep. to bring through the next phase bring through the next phase but actually at some point you have to stop going let's look to the future and look to the present and i don't think we may be i don't think we put enough value on experience in i just this country for foot don't think he's that good
2: like I, obviously everyone got swept up last mm. year but they had the easiest run to the semi-final yeah. the sides ever had. Yeah. The, the, the only good side they played was Belgium and they got beat twice. Yeah. Um, so I think there's part of that sort of euphoria, kind of, and in, don't get me wrong, he's a very decent bloke. Mm-hmm. In the same way that Chris Hughton's a really decent bloke. Mm-hmm. And there was massive outrage when he got sacked at Brighton. Yeah. But and and when he left Newcastle. But the reality is that he probably didn't do a fantastic job. Yeah. And I, I, I think England have got some some really good players, but I don't think Southgate's ever got a fantastic tune out of them I've never no. I've never watched an England performance and gone wow we were really yeah. good there When was the
1: last time you did?
2: Yeah I can't remember 1996 Yeah, <laughs> yeah Probably, probably <laughs>
1: yeah, you are in 96 yeah you're probably right But
2: but the, you know you've got a frontliner Sancho, Sterling and Kane potentially you've got midfielders I think Madison's a really exciting midfielder yeah. But
1: where did Madison? this is one of the questions I wanted to ask because I, I think Madison's a brilliant player I think Jack Grealish is a brilliant player as well and I think they both deserved England call-ups Grealish mixed out, missed out this time but where does Madison fit into... Assuming we're playing that kind of three up front, mm-hmm. three, three, four, whatever it is. How does Madison fit into well, that? Because he's a number 10. He and doesn't, you, I can't to, remember to get last him time in, England played a number 10. To get
2: him in, I'd, I'd change it, to be perfectly no. honest. I'd go four, two, three, one. I with think, the personnel that he's got. And you can play <clears throat> Sancho and Sterling on the wing.
3: I think to bring him in, as, as Jim said, um, you're going to have to change, obviously not just personnel, but you're going to have to look to maybe move those front three around. And I think... To go back to the World Cup last summer, the reason England did so well is, as you say, whenever they faced they got beat by Belgium, they got beat by Croatia. When they came up against an elite side, they fell short. And I think the key to that was was midfield. What Southgate did was he said, we're gonna have a back four that's relatively solid. We're gonna look to get the I'm not gonna say do a long ball in it, because they weren't. Mm-mm. It was productive long ball. We're gonna get the ball up to Kane as quickly as possible. We'll get Sterling around him. So if there's any bits, Sterling we've seen, he's brilliant at that, arriving at the back post, arriving right at the right time to, to feed off Kane. But they cut out the midfield. He just said to, to Dyer, Henderson and Ali or Dyer Henderson and, and Jesse Lingard, be solid, graft for me. If the ball's there to be won, win it and get the ball. I'm not you know, I'm not saying it's all on Kane, but that was the mentality. You look at the goals that were scored, a lot of set piece goals, penalties, and everything came in and around Kane. Up against Belgium and up against Croatia, you can't just cut the midfield out because they'll go, Well our best asset is our midfield, so we're gonna get the ball into our midfield and just and just obliterate you. And that's what Mm. happened in the semi final. So to bring someone like Madison in would be good because it would give England a foothold in midfield. I think Southgate's concern and England's concern should be are the other midfielders around him good enough to play ball against the best midfield threes in the world, the the Croatians, the Spains, the Brazils. I don't necessarily think they are because last summer they were set up to work hard and get the ball up to Kane. If Madison's there then you can't have James Madison in the team and not be giving the ball into his feet and looking mm. to get him on the turn.
1: Ross Barkley, Jordan Henderson, James Madison, Mason Mount, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Declan Rice and Harry Winks is that midf- midfield currently. Jesse Lingard in there as well, but he's listed as a forward under the selections. It's, yeah. it's not a strong international midfield, that at all.
3: No, no. And I, and I think you know Southgate's looking at the situation. England should qualify relatively easily. Uh, even with the, the games they've still got to call them. they've got some tricky... Tricky away ties between now and the end of November, I think, when, when mm. qualification wraps up. Maybe, as you say, he is having this idea of he's under so much pressure to be, you know, the under-21s manager that's also the senior manager. I thought you had so much faith in these kids. Why are you not playing yeah. them? And as, as you said before, Jim, maybe that's potentially motivated the Carl Walker situation. But he also has to live in the present. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think, yes, but the likes of Wan-Bissaka, he's not going to win um, a European Championship quarter-final, semi-final. That's a game for Kyle Walker with the experience that he's got with Manchester City of winning, 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 winning. Southgate showed last summer that when you employ a club tactic within, within the way that you play, you get somewhere. You need to apply that to the experience as well.
1: Ashley Barnes, unlucky to miss out. You got Burnley this weekend, Phil. You're a lot Newcastle versus Burnley. You're fearful of Ashley Barnes. No, the I'm not, mate, because I play gold- Watford. Oh, you're playing Watford. You're not playing Puget. Yeah, I've mean, like... got Liverpool. I'm genuinely right.
2: fearful of Ashley Barnes <laughs> turning out to meet him on a dark street <laughs> or <laughs> something. Goals. But yeah,
1: I'm not worried about
2: what he's going to do to our defence on Saturday because he's going to be 150 miles away. Fair
1: enough. <laughs> do you think he's unlucky to miss out, though, on that? I mean, um, top England goal scorer after um, Raheem Sterling. So far in the Premier League, early days, though, isn't it? It's very early days. I mean, are we advocating
2: that Timo Pukki should win the you know Ballon d'Or? Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> I think Barnes has been a decent. Player, but if you look at history, he's no better than a Ricky Lambert, Kevin Davies, all these big burly forwards. They all have the day in the he sun like in the Premier in, League. They... They, they all have the day in the sun. He's very effective. Don't yeah. get me wrong, and I, and I, and actually, he's a player I love to see at Newcastle. But but he's not. He's probably not got the quality to make the step up yeah. for me. Mm. And we England have tried it. You know, they've tried Ricky Lambert. They have tried yep. these guys, Kevin Davies. They tried David Nugent, Michael Ricketts. Yeah, you know. And the reality is that they're probably just not good enough. And Sometimes score you just a have to accept against Moldova, yeah, yeah, exactly. then vanish, and then, <laughs> and then, vanish, and then yeah. bow out into international football Sometimes history. Sometimes you just have to accept that these guys are probably not good. Southgate's been relatively smart about it. he said, look, he's twenty nine, um, so. His chances probably passed. Yeah.
1: I do, you know, I feel for him a little bit. Didn't he look into playing for Austria as well? Yeah, he played under point? twenty for Austria. I think he still could because he's not had an England call up, has he? So, no, yeah, he's no. never played I, international football. I
3: think the interesting bit from that, when you look on Twitter this morning, the person defending him was Charlie Austin. And he's in that <laughs> yeah. club of <and>, Yeah, yeah <laughs> but what about the, the what about me club? Actually, you know, you're being defended by the very player that's probably damaging the chances of you getting in because he's you three seasons ago
1: do you know what That's there's a there's a, a, a sub international team there you could form just yeah. the what about me club which would be managed by Sam Allardyce getting his second step yeah. as England manager it would be perfect that <laughs> um, Phil Fergal thank you very much for joining me on Football Social Daily make sure you've subscribed to this podcast it's free you can do it at the click of a button and it means you never miss an episode there is a new Premier League focused podcast every single day of the week tomorrow we'll be talking about the Premier League games this weekend. We're doing a full preview. It's out first thing Saturday morning, including that London Derby Fergal, which, as an Arsenal fan, you must be looking forward to.
3: Slash terrified, yes. as I was last weekend.
1: <laughs> you can get the full update tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, on Football Social Daily.
3: football social daily get daily news and updates on your team
2: via your amazon alexa just ask alexa open sports social
0: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing 18 plus.